well, he's God and we're not. That's very basic, but it's really important to us that we actually understand that. He is God and we're not. I am not in charge. I am not in control. He is. He has all of it under his hands. And I need to recognize that, that, that he's God. He's in control. And you know what? I think a lot of us struggle with that issue. You know, we want to be God. We want to wear the big GNR t-shirt. And we want to kind of run the show. And we want to do things. And uh, sometimes we even want to do things for him. But it's us doing them. No, he's God. I'm not. He's in charge. I'm not. You know, when your children wrestle and struggle and fight against the fact that you're the parent and they want to be the parent, they want to be in charge, they want to be in control, it's miserable for everybody. And it's miserable for you when you're wrestling with God and not allowing the fact that he is God and you're not. Second law is this, God, God doesn't need us, but we desperately need him. That's hard. That hits us right on our humility button there. Right on our pride and humility button. You know, we don't need, he doesn't need us. God is complete in himself. But we desperately need him. Every day you wake up, good thing for you to say, Lord, I need you today. Because you do. We need him every day. <clears throat> Second, thirdly, what God demands, he supplies. God never asks anything of you without supplying the grace to do it. It just doesn't happen. Whatever God asks of you, he supplies the need for it as well. <clears throat> Number four was what you seek, you find. And the question is, what are you seeking? What are you seeking? Because that's what you tend to find. If you're seeking him, you'll find him. And when you find him, you'll find a whole lot more than just him. Uh, Number five, active faith releases God's power. This one sometimes is hard for us to get our minds around. You know, God does it all, but he expects faith of us. He expects us to depend upon him and to walk by faith. Active faith releases God's power. And if we won't step out by faith, we're not going to see God's power. We're not going to see him move in our lives. Law number six is there's no growth, growth without struggle. You know, there's always something expected of us, and it can be, you know, it can seem difficult. Now, the reality is that when we struggle and God blesses, it doesn't seem like a struggle at all. But there's always that obstacle, that difficulty for us. And then the one we're going to look at tonight is uh, brings us to the this, back to God as the source and end of faith. What God starts, He finishes. I am very happy for that. I am very happy that what God starts, he finishes. This week we were away for a week, as you know, and <clears throat> we had a nice time, weather was nice, and, and everything was nice. And I read some books. Now, I probably shouldn't have read these books on holidays, but I did. I read some books about prophecy and about the end times. And I have to admit that during the week, you know, as I'm going through all the things that are happening in the world, they're, they're, they're kind of up-to-date books as far as uh, prophecy is concerned. And they're, and, and they're kind of laying it out for you, what's going to happen. And, and, they're, and they're showing you how the things currently are playing into how bad things are going to get. And I found myself getting stressed and fearful thinking about it all. Because it's, it's real out there. It's really happening. Really happening. I mean, <clears throat> you look at radical Islam <clears throat> is trying to sow chaos. Do you, do you realize that that's part of the plan for radical Islam? And, and, and <laughs> one of the guys worked out that uh, have to, you know, only 7% of Muslims are radical. And so he's going, oh, great. But that means 90 million of them. Right? I mean, that's, that's, that's a pretty big country, and that's exactly what ISIS are trying to do right now. They're trying to set up this uh, radical uh, Muslim uh, country. And the, the, the agenda for radical Islam is to sow chaos so that the, the 12th Imam can come. 
That's part of their plan, part of what they're supposed to be doing. That's, you know, hey, that, that's doctrine for them. They believe in it. We believe in reaching the world with the gospel. They believe in so in chaos. And, and that's what they're doing. You've got, you've got Russia, uh, which really had faded away, and now Russia has a new Tsar in all but name. Putin is now the new Tsar. What you've got is you've got Russia rising from the ashes now. That's important because the end times include what's going to happen with Gog and Magog, uh, and that's Russia. You've got Iran try, trying to develop a nuclear bomb, and right now they're uh, in, in um, Vienna trying to work out a plan that will uh, uh, allow the restrictions on Iran to be removed, but really Iran wants to develop a nuclear bomb. Now remember, when I, I, Iran wants to develop a nuclear bomb, and I, Iran believes, and not quietly or on the side, but Iran believes that Israel should be annihilated. That's, that's, you, you, their president has said that. Their, their leader, the Ayatollah Khomeini, has said that. They believe that Israel should be annihilated. And they want to make a bomb. Well, Israel knows they want to make a bomb, and Israel knows that they want to annihilate them, and Israel's not likely to let that happen. So do you realize that when it comes to the place where there's no hope of stopping that, Israel's going to launch a first strike, a preemptive strike. They're going, they're going to send a bomb in Iran's way. And when... Israel sends a bomb Iran's way, who knows where it's all going to end up. That may well be the beginning of the Third World War that we've been hearing about since we were kids, but I mean, it's, we're right on the brink of it. We're, we're right on the edge of it right now. I mean, th th that's, that's, that's not history, that's not just prophecy. Right now in Vienna, six or seven nations are all meeting to try and hammer out a deal uh, <clears throat> of how they will curtail Iran <clears throat> developing a bomb. Nobody has any confidence that they're going to be able to do it, but if they give in to them, which they're likely to do, uh, who knows where it's all going to end up. And that's, that's what's happening right now. Um, <clears throat> North Korea, which is really an, an incredibly crazy state, they have the nuclear bomb already. You see, here we are, we live in a world, <clears throat> and we're all very happy, you know, we come to church on a Sunday morning, and everything's very uh, calm and very nice, and I go away on my holidays, and the weather's nice, and, you know, everything is nice, and we're having a nice time, and all the rest of it, and I'm reading about all this stuff, and I'm thinking, this world's a scary place. In fact, it's more than scary, it's a terrifying place. But you know what? What God has started, He will finish. What God has started, He will finish. Nothing is happening apart from God's plan. Nothing is happening apart from what God is doing in our day and age. Absolutely nothing. He has it all in his hand. He's taking care of all of it. And there's nothing happening apart from God. And he has his hand on you. And he has his hand on me. And he's working all of it out. And you know what? You can look at all the news stories and all the prophecies and everything else and get yourself all bent out of shape and in a twist. And you can look into the face of God and say, no, 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 no. Whatever God starts, he finishes. I'm okay. I'm safe. And we're safe today, not because of our world situation. We're safe today because of our God. Right? That's what we're going to look at today. Father, would you bless us now? Because, Lord, we do live in dreadfully uncertain times. And oh, Lord, though, though we try and stay away from it, Lord, the news just keeps coming through. And Lord, it is terrifying. Now, blessed Spirit of the living God, would you lay hold upon the hearts of your people and help us to see you high, lifted up, and mighty above all of it. And help us to recognize that because you're at hand, 
everything is okay and will be okay. And we'll thank and praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. <clears throat> All right. <clears throat> so what God starts, he finishes. So three truths that we can depend upon, right? <clears throat> uh, since God is a faithful God, we can depend upon him, right? And that means he does not lie, does not change his essential, in his essential character, and he acts in time and space to ensure that his purposes are carried out. God is going to work it out. His purposes are going to work it out. <clears throat> all of this that we see and all the terror and all the fear and all the, <clears throat> the mayhem that we see around us, remember, God in his, in, is integral to himself, in himself and he will actually work out his plan uh, in spite of all of it. So three truths you can depend upon. First of all, all God's promises will be eventually fulfilled. All, every one of God's promises are eventually going to be fulfilled. Remember the first generation that went into Israel? They went into Israel, uh, uh, the 12 spies went in, and they looked at the nation uh, that, was, that was in Canaan, and they were giants. And they thought it was a great land with great fruit, and everything was great in it, but there was no way they could take it because the giants were in the land. They were going to devour them, they were going to kill them. So, you know what, that, that first generation wouldn't go in. But in Joshua 21, and Joshua 21 is written after Joshua and the second generation have actually taken the land. Right? They've gone into the land, they've taken the land, of which the first generation said it was impossible, they've taken it. And Joshua 21, verse 43 through 45 says, And the Lord gave unto Israel all the land which he sware to give unto their fathers, and they possessed it and dwelt therein. And the Lord gave them a rest round about according to all that he sware unto their fathers. And there stood not a man of all their enemies before them. The Lord delivered all their enemies into their hand. There failed not aught of any good thing which the Lord had spoken unto the house of Israel. All came to pass. Isn't that great? Don't you just love that, right? Now listen, could, could, we, could we have God say that to us today, right? And there failed not anything, uh, not aught of any good thing which the Lord had spoken unto David, all came to pass. Think we could put your name in there and we could say, you know, we could. That all the good things that God has spoken to us will definitely come to pass. And just like it looked for Israel like it was impossible, you may look at your situation today, and you may be in a pretty uh, difficult place. You may be looking at some problems and some issues and difficulties in your life that, that make it look impossible for you to think, well, you know what, God's promised me things, and I'm expecting things, and I don't know how they're ever going to work out. But you know what? One day you're going to say, all came to pass. All came to pass, because that's the kind of God we serve. But we can depend upon him to, to bring all, to fulfill all of his promises. Nothing of what God promises us is going to fail. And we've got some great and wonderful promises in the word of God. You can take and read in your devotions and underline it. I knew a guy who used to underline all the promises in green. Every promise he came along, he would underline them in green. And you know what? His Bible was full of green verses. Because he was underlining the promises of God. You know what? You could do that too. And you could expect that God is going to take care of all his promises in your life. One day you're going to go to heaven. One day you're going to look into the face of the Lord Jesus Christ. And you're going to realize it all came to pass. All that he promised me came to pass. Nothing is going to fail of all that he promised you. Uh, secondly, the Lord will complete his work in us. Uh, Philippians 1.6 says, Being confident in this very thing, that he which hath begun a good work in you will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. Now here's the deal. You know, I got saved 30 years ago, almost 30 years ago now. Not beside my bed, over in Fur House, and I got saved. And I honestly had no idea what I was doing. 
I knew I, I knew I was going to hell, and I didn't want to go to hell, and this was the way to not go to hell. That, that was basically all I knew at the point. Like that, that was all I knew and all I understood. But do you know what happened on that day? The Spirit of God came into my life, and He began to work. Now, I would love to tell you this morning, and you know, and since that day, I have been faithful. I have done what God wanted me to do every, every time. I haven't. But you know what? In spite of it, he is performing all that he set out to do. He's doing it. Now, it's true. There have been times in my life when I've hindered what he wanted to do. Because I've been in contention with him. And I haven't wanted what he... I wanted my own way. And there have been times when I've hindered what he wanted to do in my life. But you know what? He started a good work. And he's going to perform it. And the same is true in your life. God started a good work. And he's going to perform it. He's going to work it out in your life. He's got a plan. <clears throat> he has a blueprint. He's, he's working on that blueprint. And he's going to complete that in your life. Don't get in his way. Don't, don't hold him back. Because you know what? The plan he has for you is the best one. But he's going to complete that plan. He's going to work that plan out in your life. All that he has planned to do, he's going to work out, he's going to do in your life. <clears throat> and then I love this one. The entire work of salvation is guaranteed by God. Romans 8, 29 through 30 says, For whom he did foreknow, he also did predestinate to be conformed to the image of his Son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. <clears throat> Moreover, whom he did predestinate, them he also called. And whom he called, them he also justified. And whom he justified, them he also glorified. Now, here's the interesting thing. We'll look at five words here real briefly, right? But all five words are past tense words. Right? God foreknew. That means he knew before that you were going to get saved. God knew before that you were going to get saved, and so he predestined you. Right? He planned, he gave you a destiny, if you want to look at it that way. Your destiny is to be conformed to the image of the Lord Jesus Christ. And then he called you. And, and you can, uh, it's almost like when he called us, we kind of woke up in the situation and said, oh, and we got involved in the situation, but all this was planned before time. And then he justified, he made it as though you'd never sinned. And then it says in the past tense, he glorified you. Do you realize that every believer in this room one day is going to stand before the Lord Jesus Christ glorified? You say, well, hang on, I'm, I'm a sorry sort of a believer. I really don't have much going on for me as far as being a believer is concerned. You know, I, I, I'll be kind of happy if I can get to heaven and I can hide under the stairs because, you know, I don't, think I'll, I, I don't think I'm really that much of a believer. But do you understand that, listen, you're going to be glorified? You're going to stand before the Lord Jesus Christ conformed to his image and you're going to be glorified. Not based on your power, not based on how good you are or what you've done or, or how great you are, but because, listen, he planned it. He's planned it for a long time. <clears throat> Let me read you something. I, I enjoyed this. Uh, and Jack Wurtzen wrote this. He said, I am as sure of heaven as if I'd already been there for 10,000 years. Why? Because it doesn't rest on me. It doesn't rest on you. It rests on the word of the eternal God. Uh, if God has said he's going to do it, he will do it. You can book it. You can take it to the bank. What God says he will do, he will do. All of God's sheep will make, <clears throat> make it. That, that's good news for us unruly sheep. Some of God's sheep are sick and weak, and some are unruly, and a few are downright rebellious. And some of the sheep have been messing around with the goats too much, and they look more like goats than like sheep, but fear not. The Lord knows his own. He knows how to find his own. And when the time comes, all of God's sheep will make it into the fold. Not one will be lost. Not one. Isn't that great? 
Listen, you got people out there who are listening, struggling today. They should be in church, but they're not. They're doing wrong, and they don't want to come to church. And, you know, we look at them, and we say, oh, you know what? <clears throat> they need to get themselves sorted out. And they do. They're never going to live in Beulah land while they're living in sin. But you know what? One day, they too are going to be glorified. One day, they are going to stand before the Lord Jesus Christ and be glorified because, you know what? He has planned it. And what he plans, he always accomplishes. So you may be here this morning. Let, let me tell you. One day, you're going to stand before the Lord Jesus Christ and you're going to be glorified. You're going to stand in his presence and you are going to be glorified. You are going to be like him. Uh, it is going to be a whole different thing. Now, I want to cooperate with him as much as I possibly can in this life. I want to suck all the best out of Christianity that I can possibly find. But you know what? One day we're all going to stand glorified before him. All of us. <clears throat> right. Now, <clears throat> there's seven ways that we can take and we can apply this law in our lives, right? Uh, first, we can be certain of our salvation. Now, First John five twelve through 13 says, He that hath the Son hath life, and he that hath not the Son of God hath not life. These things have I written unto you that believe in the name of the Son of God, uh, that you may know that you have eternal life, and that you may believe on the name of the Son of God. Right now, now, as I talk to you this morning, I imagine there are three kinds of people out here this morning, right? I imagine there are those of you that know you have eternal life. Nobody could shake you on it. You know you have eternal life. You know if somebody were to shoot you today, you would step into the presence of the Lord Jesus Christ. I read, read something beautiful. It was, a, it was prophetic fiction, right? But uh, really beautiful this week. Uh, this man uh, actually was there when an atomic... This is fiction, right? Uh, he was there when an atomic bomb, bomb went off, and it said he saw a blinding flash of light, and then he saw Jesus. <laughs> And that's the way it'll be. You know, you'll, you'll pass out of this world and you won't spend months in some passageway or anything. You're going to step out of this world to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. And many of you know that for sure. Nobody could shake you on that. You know for certain that that's, that's, that's where you're going, that as soon as you die, you're going to stand in the presence of the Lord. Now, I, I imagine there are others of you here and you're not quite sure. And you've believed on the Lord Jesus Christ, you've trusted Him, but you're not quite sure. You've not, you've not always been the best kind of Christian, maybe. You've not always lived uh, the way you should live. You, you've gotten it wrong, and you've gone the wrong way, and you've done wrong things, and, and you're not sure that God could really take someone like you into heaven. Let me say to you, listen, if you believed on the Lord Jesus Christ and are born again, regardless of the fact that you don't deserve it, you're going to heaven. That's the reality. <clears throat> right? See what it says there. Uh, uh, these things have been written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God that you may know that you have eternal life. If you've believed on the name of the Son of God, you have eternal life. It's, 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 it's as straightforward as that. The moment you got saved, you put your trust and faith in Him, and He did the rest. He didn't do it. You couldn't do it. It was impossible for you to do. He did. Salvation is all of him. But I imagine too this morning that <clears throat> there's a third kind of person out here. There's somebody who's genuinely not saved. You've never been born again. You've never trusted Jesus Christ by faith. You've, you've never come to that place uh, where you've recognized your need and you've bowed before him and been saved. And you're listening to all this. You know, maybe you've heard other people talk about it. Maybe somebody invited you to church. You know, <clears throat> and you're, you're listening to all this talk about Jesus and about God, but it really doesn't make a whole lot of sense to you because 
you know what? <clears throat> you don't know. Now, now you hope you'll go to heaven. I, I, I have never, I know there are people out there, but I have never met somebody who said, well, I hope I'll go to hell. Never. <clears throat> Everybody hopes they're going to go to heaven. I, <clears throat> but you know, hoping is not the same as knowing. And it says that you may know that you have eternal life. Do you realize that God wants you to know that you have eternal life? That God wants you to know for sure. God wants you to be in the place where <clears throat> you can bank on it, where you can be sure of it, where you can recognize, you know what, I'm going to heaven, and I know I'm going to heaven. Not just hope. You see, if you're hoping you're going to heaven, I have a serious question about whether you've understood fully the gospel. See, the gospel is this. The gospel is that we're all sinners. Every one of us. You know, some are worse than others as far as the world is concerned, but as far as God is concerned, we're all sinners. Every last one of us. Right? So we're all sinners. <clears throat> but you know what? Instead of God hating us and just casting us away from himself, he loved us. And he sent his son to die for us, even though we're sinners. Even though we didn't care about God, even though we were um, spending, years, spending our years in vanity and pride, God, God, God loved us. And he sent his son to die for us. And the Bible says <clears throat> that whosoever shall call upon the name of the, of the Lord shall be saved. And <clears throat> it talks about then how shall they call upon him in whom they have not believed. John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth on him should not perish but have everlasting life. Now, briefly let me explain to you what believing on him means. It means just simply this, that you come to the place and point in your life where you realize you're a sinner, and you believe, put your trust in what Jesus did to save you. You give up your own efforts. You're never going to be good enough. You can try and try and try. It's a gift. You, you believe on what Jesus did. And the Bible says that when we believe, we're saved. Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Lord, save me. I'm a sinner. I deserve hell, but Lord, save me. God does it. You say, that's way too simple. You know, I know somebody that did that and nothing happened for them. Now listen, if somebody genuinely did that and called out to God, trusting him to save them from their sins and depending upon him, you know, he did it. They may still be acting like a goat, but they're a sheep. And one day they're going to come before him and they're going to be glorified. They're going to be brought into his presence. They're going to find the reality of it. But you can know for sure. Nobody, nobody likes to think about this, but you know, <clears throat> isn't, you could die today. I could die today. I don't intend dying for a very long time. I've got a lot of things I want to do. Neither do you. But you know what? You could die today. Now, if you were to die today, do you know you're going to heaven? Wouldn't it be wonderful to know? Wouldn't it be wonderful to have that settled, sure, fixed? You could do it today. You could do it today. You could come to that place where you trust, believe, depend upon Jesus Christ as your Savior, and he would do the work, and you could know. Not based upon what some man said. But based upon what the Word of God says, Romans 10.13, For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. You can put your name into whosoever. Call upon the name of the Lord, and God says you will be saved. Wouldn't it be great to know that? Wouldn't it be great to be sure of that? 
Listen, that is a glorious truth. We can, <clears throat> we can be certain of salvation. Because God fulfills what He's going to do. You know, <clears throat> I remember being saved. I remember, one of the, I remember waking up the next day rather than even being saved. I remember what I did when I got saved. But I remember waking up the next day and the first thought that crossed my mind was, I'm going to heaven. Whatever happens, I'm going to heaven. You know, <clears throat> win, lose, or draw, I'm going to heaven. And yet that was the one thought that just dominated. By the way, believer, don't lose that. That's a precious thought. I'm going to heaven. All the rest of your troubles are this small by comparison to the one that God fixed when he saved you. <clears throat> you're going to heaven. But if you're not saved, you could know. You could wake up tomorrow morning and be sure you're going to heaven. Isn't that a glorious thought? We can be sure that we're going to heaven. We'll give you an opportunity later on to talk to somebody if you want to, uh, about that. But don't miss the opportunity. Right? <clears throat> so first of all, we can be certain um, <clears throat> of heaven. Secondly, we can be confident of God's purpose for us. Being confident of this very thing, that he which hath begun a good work in you will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. You know what? <clears throat> God's got a purpose for your life. Isn't that great? You know, so many people wander around this world purposeless. They don't know why they're here or what they're doing or where they're going. They're just, God's got a purpose for your life. And it's not you've got a purpose that God's going to bless. No, it's God's got a purpose for your life. It's, Lord, what's the purpose? Lord, what do you want me to do? I want to do what you want me to do. God's got a purpose for your life. And, you know, when you, when you let him have his way in your life, that's how you, when you start really loving that's when life starts to really count. God's got a purpose for your life. Secondly, thirdly, uh, we can have comfort in the midst of confusing circumstances. <clears throat> Romans 8.28 And we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to those who are the called according to His purpose. You know what? In your life there are confusing things right now, aren't there? There are things, you know what? <clears throat> I don't understand this. I don't understand how this is working out. I don't, I don't understand how this all goes together. I don't understand why I have this problem. I don't understand how this difficulty has come into my life. I don't understand how my family have got these problems. There are things you don't understand. But you know what? Because God works it out, you can be sure that He's got a plan and He's going to work it all for good. All of it. You say, no, Pastor, you don't understand. This is just, this is just all bad. It's, it's just pure bad. There's nothing good about this. God says, I will take it and work it for good. Job would be the greatest example. Listen, all that happened to Job, he lost everything, was bad. But God took the bad and worked it for good. Till Job was able to say, you know what? It's better. That's what God does in our lives. Now, it takes faith. Let me say this to you about faith too. Sometimes you can choose to walk by faith and it gets easier. Or you can choose not to believe and it gets harder. You can choose to be overwhelmed by your circumstances and how can all these bad things be happening to me? Or you can choose by faith to believe all things work together for good to them that love God. And you know what? It's easier that way. But it's true either way. God takes and works all things together for good in your life. You can depend upon it. You can depend upon God to do that. Uh, we can remain calm when the world is in turmoil. You know, our world is in turmoil and it's going to be in greater turmoil. That's just reality. We're come, as we come closer to the end times, you know, everything in prophecy indicates you know, it's going to get worse and it's going to get worse and it's going to get uh, more difficult. 
You know, the Bible talks about all these things that are coming on us, and they're just going to come. There's no way we can avoid those things happening. You know, it's not like you, you, know, you, can, you can have some superpower that's going to step in and mop up the situation. No, the next superpower on the picture is the Antichrist, and he's not sorting anything out for us. Not long term anyway. Anyways, right? But as a child of God, you can be calm amidst the turmoil. Psalm 46 verse 2 says, Therefore will we not fear, though the earth be removed, and though the mountains be carried into the midst of the seas. Uh, the heathen raged, the kingdoms removed, he uttered his voice, the earth melted. Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the heathen, heathen I will be exalted in the earth. Do you know that God's going to be exalted in all of it? As terrifying as those pictures... And by the way, don't look at those pictures of ISIS and the, and the wickedness they do. As terrifying as those things are, do you know what? God's going to be exalted in his earth. God is going to stand and rule over all of it. He's going to put all of it in place. He's going to take and he is going to work it all out. <clears throat> uh, the Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our refuge. We can have calm in the midst of all the storms that are blowing around us. In the mo at the moment. We don't have to look just at the, at, at the situations and say, oh no. No, remember. <clears throat> know that I am God. That He stands, that it's all His, that it's all... Listen, nothing is happening in this world today that is outside the reach of God's hand. All of it, all of it is working towards His plan and what He wants to do in the end. So you know what? We need not to focus on just what's happening we need to focus on him. We'll be aware of what's happening, but focus on him. Because he's in charge. He's in charge of all of it. <clears throat> we can have hope uh, when our progress seems slow. You know, as a child of God, sometimes you feel like things are going gangbusters and you're growing and you're moving ahead. And, and sometimes you get kind of stuck and caught. And you don't feel like you're growing very well. You don't feel like you're going anywhere. And it looks to you like it's all just dead time. Like it's all just wasted time. Right? Uh, 1 Thessalonians 5, 23 and 24 says, The very God of peace sanctify you wholly, and I pray, God, your whole spirit and soul and body be preserved blameless unto the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Faithful is he that calleth you, who also will do it. So you might come to church this morning, and you might, you know, you might have just dragged yourself into church. You know, I know I'm supposed to go to church, but I really don't feel like going to church. And, you know, I don't think I'm going anywhere in my Christian life. And I'm not growing the way I'd, I'd like to be. And, and, you know, and the world is calling and drawing me to it. And, you know, I, I really want to give in because I don't feel like I'm going anywhere. Well, I've got news for you. Faithful is he that calleth you who also will do it. And even in the dark times, and even in those long times, when you're waiting for something to happen. Faithful is he that calleth you who also will do it. You're in safe hands. You're in good hands today. You're in his hands. He's going to work it out. It's all about him in the end. He's God and we're not. It's all about him. He's going to work it out. <clears throat> we can have hope when our progress seems slow. We can encourage others who are faltering. Now listen, <clears throat> this is something that we forget. You know, we're all so busy with our lives that we really don't know what's going on with each other. And we can miss it sometimes. But when God lets you see somebody else's struggle and somebody else's hurting, you know what? 
you have to be an encourager to them. Let's read the verses. And let us consider one another to provoke unto love and to good works, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another and so much the more as ye see the day approaching. So we're to consider. we're, We're to consider each other. You know, we, we, we get so overtaken by what's going on in our lives. Oh, this problem, I got that problem. Oh, man, you know, there's, there's all these difficulties in my life, and, you know, I feel so low and so down about it. We can forget that other people are struggling too. And we're supposed to consider one another. And we're supposed to consider one another not just to sympathize. That's important, but not just to sympathize. But we're supposed to consider one another to provoke unto love and to good works. You know, when somebody's down, you're supposed to be encouraging them. Encouraging them to love and to good works. Encouraging them to to move ahead. Encouraging them to walk with God. You know, we can do a lot of talking and say nothing, can't we? It amazes me how much a bunch of guys can, uh, get together can, can talk. How many words can come out and talk. And, 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 and if you actually go through it and kind of think, well, now what do we actually say there? You know what? Uh, it was just talking. But you know what? And, and ladies can do that too. But you know what? We're supposed to provoke one another to love and good works. And the idea of provoke is to prod each other to love and to good works. Do you ever have somebody, you're having a pity party and you're just going down with your pity party and you're feeling sorry for yourself and somebody came in and said, hang on a minute, God's still in charge. Um, I think it was in Anne of Green Gables that uh, Marillus would come in and she would say, is God dead? You know, know? you, you know what? God's not dead. And it's important for you sometimes to help somebody to actually see that God's not dead. God's still in charge. He's still in control. So, what are you looking so bad for if God's not dead? If God's still in control? So encourage you to provoke one another to God and to love and good works. And it says, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together. We're to gather together to do it. I realize in this day and age, you know what? <clears throat> you know, I have an iPad. I could watch the service on my iPad today. Couldn't I? I could watch some service and not this one on my iPad today. You know, I don't have to be in church. I can watch the, the God channel. Now, by the way, I'm not sure how much of the God channel is about God, right? I, just, just, I don't want to talk about it, but I'm just, I'm just putting that thought out for you. I'm not sure how much of it is about God. You need to be discerning uh, when you're watching that stuff, right? <clears throat> but, um, yeah, I, I, I can get it. But no, the, the Bible says we're to come together. Well done for coming together this morning. Well done for being here in church this morning. Well done for being a part of this. But the purpose of you being a part of it is to encourage and be encouraged. We need to step out of our boxes. We're very isolated in our day and age. We are very isolated. There was a time when people knew all the neighbors for miles around. And now, you could live for 20 years in some place and not know the neighbors. Never have stepped inside their door. It's a different kind of a world. Yeah, listen, encourage one another. Right? Uh, meet together and encourage one another. We can encourage others who are faulting. You have a ministry, if you like to put it that way, to encourage people who are faltering. Uh, and then we can wait patiently because we know the end of the story. Do you know that we know the end of the story? John 14.3 says, And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, there ye may be also. Spoken to the disciples um, just after the last, just before the Last Supper, and um, spoken to us too. Right? 
I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, there you may be also. You know, whatever happens in your life, the Lord Jesus Christ is coming back for you. And let it dominate everything else in your life. Let that be the most important thing in your life. You see, he tells us again and again that we're to be looking to his appearing. We're to be waiting for him to come. I know you're going to say, listen, he he said that 2,000 years ago, Pastor. Are you aware of that? Yeah, I'm aware of that. But nonetheless, he told us in his word that we're to be looking for that. We're to be waiting for that. We're to be waiting for the trumpet to sound. We're to be waiting for Jesus to call us to be with himself. We're to be looking to that and waiting. We're to live our lives with the idea in our hearts, he's coming back for me any minute. That's to be the dominant thought in my mind. He said, well, Pastor, I got lots of stuff I got to do. I got I to make a living. I got problems. I got issues. I got sickness. I got this. I got that. I got all these things going on. I know. I understand that. And I understand those things are things that take up your time. And you know those things are, are things that can so easily dominate, but don't let them. Because they're not the most important thing. Don't let them. The most important thing is Jesus coming back for me. Oh, I know the world scene is setting up, you know, <clears throat> to be terrifying. Don't let that dominate. Jesus is coming back for you. I know you've got financial needs. Don't let that dominate. Jesus is coming back for you. you. You may have sickness in your home or in your life today. Don't let that dominate. Jesus is coming back for you. Everything else in our lives should be seen through the filter of Jesus coming back for me. Yeah, all all the problems and all the things I'm waiting for and all the things I'm longing for, but Jesus is coming back for me. I'm safe. Jesus is coming back for me. And by the way, it's personal. He's coming back for you. He's not just coming back for the bunch. He's not even just coming back for the LifeGate bunch. He's not coming back for the Christian bunch. He's coming back for you. And when you see him, you're going to know him and he's going to know your name too. It's real. We're to live waiting for him to come for us. Now, let me ask you two questions as I close this morning, right? First of all, do you know he's coming for you? Do you know for sure? Now, I don't mean do you hope. Oh, I hope so. Some things are too important to hope for, aren't they? Some things are too important to hope for. You know, somebody gives you a car to, to, to drive and, and, and you hope the brakes work. Well, no, that's too important. You, you need to know the brakes work, don't you? You know, you, you, you do not want to be in the place where you put your foot in the brakes and the brakes don't work. You know, as important as the brakes in your car are, it's nothing by comparison to how important it is that you know you're going to heaven. And, and that's what, you know, First John chapter 5, verse 13 is talking about, that you may know that you have eternal life. Do you know? If you don't know this morning, let me plead with you. Make it sure. If you're not saved, cry out to him. Believe on him. Right where you sit. Lord, I'm a sinner. I deserve hell, but you died to pay the price for my sin. You know, <clears throat> cry out and believe on him. Let us take the word and help you. If you're struggling with, with, with security in terms of being sure you're saved, let us help you. 
Let us take the word of God and help you. Do you know for sure you're going to heaven today? You know, that, that is the most important thought that you can have in your life. I know I'm going to heaven. No matter what happens, I know I'm going to heaven. <clears throat> That's the first que question. second question is this. Are you waiting for his appearing? Are you all caught up in life and the problems and the difficulties and the world situation and your finances? And Are you all caught up in those things? Are you waiting for him to come for you? And it's not just, you know, listen, he's coming. It's not, he's coming for you. Remember the disciples? They'd walked with Jesus. You know, Peter could go up and tap him on the shoulder and say, Jesus, I got a question. Can you help me here? And Peter didn't say, no, no. God, Jesus didn't say, no, no, no. Don't want nothing to do with you. No, <clears throat> he said, yes, Peter, what's your question? And he would talk to him. Peter, and Jesus said, I will come again for you, Peter. And he says to you, I will come again for you. Are you waiting for it? Yeah, it's a life-changing thing. When you let your heart come to the place where you're waiting on him to come back for you. You know, many of the problems are not so big. And that's the reality of your heart and your life. I'm waiting for him to come back for me. And when it comes to talking about something as important as that in your life, you know, it gets easy to share the gospel. I'm, I know this sounds strange, but Jesus is coming back for me and I'm waiting for him. I know I'm going to be with him forever. It becomes very real, very natural for us to talk about him. You know, it becomes very natural for us to put our lives in order because he's coming back for me. I want things to be right when he comes back. But when we get that thought in our heads, it, it changes everything. Are you waiting for him to come back for you? So our two questions. Do you know he's coming for you? And are you waiting for him? Let's stand for prayer. Father in heaven, we come to you today, and Lord, we do thank you for your word, for your goodness to us. Now, Lord, would you bless us? Would you draw us near to you, Lord? Lord, if there are some this morning that don't know you as Savior, that haven't got that sureness in their hearts, blessed Spirit, would you just reveal it, just open it up to them? May they not just let it bounce off them, but Lord, may they take it in. And all, Lord, we know that you're quick to save. Lord, draw them to you, we pray. And Lord, for those of your children that know they're going to heaven, but they're not waiting for you, Lord, would you do a work in their hearts today and cause them to look up and to depend upon you. And may we live our lives in the strength of all these promises and powerful truths, Lord, that uh, you've given us. And may we live like we're your children, and may we live looking to your blessing. And we'll thank and praise you in Jesus' name.